Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Welcome back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. I'm joined by the inestimable Randy Boone. He's excited. He's fired up. He's had a long work day, but he gets to talk about baseball twice in consecutive podcasts. This is unheralded. This is this has never happened before. This is unprecedented, I should say. It's also unheralded. But uh, Randy, before we do that, before we get your reward, we got the tech, we got the SEC schedules released. And uh, if it didn't sink into Longhorn fans that we're in the big time now, uh, we're in the big time now. It's a pretty exciting schedule. Any initial thoughts? No, I'm pretty fired up about it. This is basically the only reason that I let you talk football first uh, <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a podcast that I was promised to be able to talk baseball. But, uh, <laughs> but no, man, I'm like, I was, uh, let's say I, I pulled over and uh, was on the side of the road and, and saw this on the way home um, while maybe moving forward, but don't tell any uh, DPS officers that, but uh, all right. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, you got, uh, got some pretty marquee matchups at home, you know, your typical OU game and then going to Arkansas and two A and M is going to be, going to be a fun little deal. And that Vandy, the Vandy trip, maybe not so much for the opponent, but for the uh, venue, sure. The, uh, the Texas fan, We'll uh, jump on that one pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. And for those of you who have not seen this yet, uh, we'll just rattle it off real quick. We don't have dates yet or anything. But of course, you've got the OU neutral game, which is being effectively counted as a road game for Texas. Correct. Uh, not a huge break for us, though, because there's some other pretty stout competition and some pretty treacherous road games. The home games for Texas are Florida, Florida Gators, Georgia Bulldogs, Kentucky Wildcats, and then Mississippi State Bulldogs. The road games are going to be at Arkansas, at AM, at Vandy, as aforementioned. At Arkansas, at AM is no joke. And then obviously you got the rivalry with OU. Hey, Texas fans, we got some rivalries back. And uh, whether you wanted them or you missed them or whatever. Yeah, they're here. Uh, <laughs> they're here and uh, get used to it get used to uh, some people being pretty fired up to host Texas. So, and then the home schedule, man, looks great. Of course, the non-con Texas will be hosting Colorado state. Uh, my neck of the woods, Randy, not too far away. Uh, the Rams are not real good at football right now. So I don't anticipate that being a big, big challenge, but of course, Texas goes to Michigan. So in the same season, they're going to go to Michigan, to Arkansas, to A&M host the, the, Georgia Bulldogs were the premier program in college football right now, and then play OU neutral. 
that is a challenging schedule, but that's exactly what we signed up for. That's what we wanted, right? That's correct. No, uh, that's, I, I think, and everybody better put their money where their mouth is. And I, I would hope to see full stadiums. Oh, for, I don't think that's that. going to be a problem. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's what we wanted. That's what we got. And it's, uh, it's, it, well, it's not here. It's almost here. And, uh, I don't know that I would have really a, uh, I mean, you got Bama back to back years going into that. So I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd really have anybody that I would rather see maybe LSU, but I mean, we'll catch them in a couple of years. So no big deal. Yeah. We'll catch them outside as the kids say. That's uh, right. So, Hey, are, is the thought then that you're just going to switch the dates for 2025 and then add the ninth game or, I mean, so not switch the dates, but just reverse the venues. In other words, we'll host A&M in Arkansas in 2025. I mean, that makes logical sense, right? Like you, you, you add the ninth game, which is going to happen. Like that, that's, that's going to happen. It's just got to get negotiated out. Um, I, I would just flip everybody and then you add, you know, add one more. And then, you know, you figure out who your three, you know, quote unquote permanent rivals are. Yep. And, uh, and then you just flip everybody else around to where, you know, you go, you go to there and host them once every four years and roll through everybody. And by the way, 2025, Texas will be at Ohio State. Yep. That's going to be phenomenal. No, and then that. And I hope they continue to do that. Like with, with the 12 team playoff and everything, I think it kind of softens the blow of, of all that, but no, I mean, you, you play a premier sec schedule and you throw one marquee in there for the, the off season or whatever preseason. Um, you know, I think you get the fans excited. It's a good litmus test for everything. And uh, it's made for TV stuff. And that's what everything's going to these days anyway. And I mean, I'm signed me up. I'm ready to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I think Texas USC can't be far away. Uh, I will say this, the road trip to Nashville. I think a lot of horn fans are going to do that. It's going to be fun. I don't know how many horn fans are going to do the road trip to Arkansas or A&M. Obviously OU is going to be 50, 50 when they do reverse it in 2025, dude, I, I can tell all of y'all, if you've not been to uh, Lexington, Kentucky, Awesome place. It's an awesome place. It's a lot of fun. The the things that make it cool set up nicely. If you if we're lucky enough to play them in October, they have some incredible horse racing in Lexington called the Oaks. Uh, obviously, there's the Bourbon Trail. It's fun. UK fans are super friendly uh, in football, particularly, and they actually have a really neat old stadium that will remind older folks who grew up in Austin before like the old reward, the old Memorial stadium. That's kind of the feeling of it and uh, no bad seats. Obviously going to Georgia would be phenomenal going to Florida. That's a, that's a football uh, snake pit, not quite LSU, but it's, it's in there. Um, Randy's favorite destination is Mississippi state. I think that's more for baseball though, right? Yeah, it's more of a baseball thing, but I mean, they're, they're football crowds if they're good or good. Um, but yeah, yeah no, that the Mississippi state atmosphere is more of a baseball thing, but, uh, it's a, I mean, it's a rabid fan base. It just, I mean, you catch them in a good year, you're gonna have a, you know, a different experience than if they're four and nine or whatever, but, um, 
all those places will be places that I'd be willing to go. Yeah, they're just swamp Aggies. They're just mosquito Aggies. Honestly, Florida, I mean, I don't know if you've ever driven through Florida, but Gainesville is probably the, the one that it's like, man, it'd be sweet to see a game there, but uh, I don't know what else you do. It's in the, like, I mean, I, I yes, I understand you drive 30 minutes. I mean, I lived there for 11 years, but uh, you drive an hour one way, an hour the other way, but it's not like Starkville is any better. So you live in Gainesville? No, Dunedin. Oh, really? For, uh, I say 11 for spring training. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we were just, we're just west of Tampa, right there on the coast. All right. Well, you can, you can drive there. east or you can drive west and you'll run into a beach. How about that? Correct. You don't do that in uh, Starkville. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You'll run into some beach nuts. You got one, you got one direction south, and I'm not sure if that's really qualified as a beach. So, no. Uh, all right. Everyone's, mocking the the Sooners getting an easy Big 12 valedictory schedule. Uh, their intro to the SEC is going to be interesting, Randy. Can I read off their schedule to you? You can, and it's going to be fun to listen to. All right. They're playing four road games. They're considered – the Texas game is considered a home game for them, even though it's neutral. So they got to go play Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Then they get to host Alabama, Tennessee – <laughs> those are their two i mean hey no doubt those are going to be premium matchups for at home yeah. they also host south carolina which is not a guaranteed w by any means then they're at lsu at ole miss at auburn at missouri <laughs> i love it i think it's great it's awesome and and even like a team like auburn that's down Hey, if you, there's anything to know about Auburn, it's you have no idea what they will do in any given year. That's a tough place to play. I don't care how good they are. For sure. Missouri, I don't have an opinion on. I think they'll be fine. At LSU, good luck. Hosting Tennessee, I mean, that program's completely turned itself around. Alabama, obviously. South Carolina's no joke. Uh, we'll they, don't we'll have, what, yeah. they don't have the incredible non-con like Texas does with no. at Michigan. But, yeah. The best thing would be for OU fans to get all fired up about a, a, a mirage nine and three type season. And then they go into the SEC thinking they're, they're on the upswing and they get a little smack down to by reality. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they yeah, it, it, it would be a good idea for them to uh, bring their big boy pants on that one. Cause that's a, that's a weekend week out. Good luck. And then hey, you're going to add, and then you're going to add another game the next year. So. Hey, randomly, I did, we did mention that Texas will host the Florida Gators. You want to hear Florida's schedule? I'm looking at it. Go for it. Miami as a non-con. Uh, UCF. Georgia. Neutral, obviously. Cocktail party. Yeah, see that. At Florida State. LSU at home. Kentucky at home. Ole Miss at home. A&M at home. At Texas. At Tennessee. At Mississippi State. God hates the Florida Gators is the only conclusion I can draw from that schedule. That's a tough, that's a tough draw. That's man. so brutal, man. That's a tough draw. Oh, my God. Billy Napier is like, guys, come on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is rough. Oh, uh, But, dude, that look, we've got to readjust. 
at least the Georgia games counted as an away. I guess that's the only silver lining you can take. That's that. right. <laughs> otherwise, yeah. they just otherwise they just send them to Bama or something. Hey, with these SEC schedules, and if Texas does uh, honor Randy's wishes of playing a premier one premier non-con, I think you're comfortable with the other yes. two games being pushed. Yeah, oh, yeah, hundred um, percent. We've got to readjust our minds to wins and losses, to playoffs, like. A ten and a ten and two Florida with that schedule. I don't care if they make the SEC title game. I I would vote them into the playoff. The the college football season is going to turn into more of a basketball baseball model of yeah we want to win all our games, but the goal will be to qualify yeah and be playing our best ball at the correct time of the year. So NFL. Yes, correct. We didn't have to bring baseball into it. We're still talking football, Randy. I, I mentioned basketball. Come on, <laughs> give me some credit. Hey, to give you an idea about how uh, obsessed Colorado fans are with the Denver Nuggets, I live an hour down the road from Denver. They didn't know that it was basketball season? I Well, the Nuggets win the NBA Finals in commanding fashion, 4-1, to one, yeah. right? Uh, could have swept Miami with a couple of more plays. Jokic completely dominates. and. He got bored in that one game. He did. Uh, and I'm driving by, um, grabbing something at another place, and I look in a local sports bar. Um, you know, it was like three quarters filled. About a quarter of the people were fired up about the game. The others were passively watching and like kind of intermittent clapping. Like, oh, go Nuggets. Pretty exciting. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, all right, what else do we need to cover here on these on these schedules? I mean, obviously, I, there's another year to to endure before this, and not just endure, but actually embrace and relish because it's a chance for Texas to show if they're ready, right? So, have you seen Vandy's schedule? Did you look at it while ago? Well, I don't know why you would it's have. Horrible. Yeah, Bama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Auburn, Kentucky, <laughs> LSU, and Missouri. Oh. Oh my God. Away. Missouri's away. That's like the, their quote unquote easy game in the SEC and it's away. Oh my God. They go, God. they go, they go to Bama, to South Carolina, to Tennessee, to Texas, Auburn at home, Kentucky. Oh, I'm sorry. I was backwards. So they get Bama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas at home. They go to Auburn, to Kentucky, to LA. And to Dude, I, I'm telling you what, their home schedule. That's legit. It's Bama, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina. Yeah, they're going to pack them in. I might buy freaking Vandy season tickets and just fly out for two of the, like fly yeah. out for Texas and for Bama. Yeah. Totally. I was just going through, I was just looking at everybody's schedules. Like who's, who's the one that's the worst. And nah, they may have, they may have caught it. Tennessee's know. got it rough, man. Tennessee at Bama. Host, right, let me read it off to you. Oh boy. That's Host, yeah. Hosting Bama. Mississippi State, Florida, Kentucky, at Vandy. Hey, that's good. At Arkansas, at Georgia, at Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah that's a tough one there. Yeah, that's no joke. Ah, not as bad. Yeah, it's not as bad nah, as I thought. I'll tell you what, I mean, but that's the model that everything's going to. Everyone's going to play a tough like, schedule. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen. That, that's the, the product of this, which is great for the consumer. But, yeah, if you're a college football coach, go earn your money for sure. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna list this off off the top of my head. I haven't done any prep, but pure football only, Randy. 
pure road trip enjoyment, what are your top four venues, not just the stadium, but the total experience, the city, et cetera? What four places are you most looking forward to playing in the SEC? Football only. Tough one. Georgia. Okay. Tennessee. Yes. I LSU should probably be there, but it's not for me just because I'm probably not going to go to Baton Rouge to watch a football game. Bama. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw South Carolina in there. That's my my number four. Night game in South Carolina. I've seen a number of them on TV. Seems like a pretty cool place. Plus, South Carolina, you got some pretty good golf courses and decent beaches and stuff around. But like I said, LSU should probably be in those four, but I've been to Louisiana and driven through it enough. I'm good. <laughs> so, uh, Tennessee is my clear-cut number one. Yeah, Tennessee's definitely in there for sure. Yeah, I think that's a special environment. I like the battle of the UTs. I like the Vol Navy. I like the setting. Uh, if we go in October, I can arrange a little hiking down in Smoky Mountain National Park to cap it off, make it worth the, the flight. To me, LSU has to be in there. A night game in Tiger Stadium is freaking awesome. Um, those people are maniacs. The food's good. Does, you don't have to live there, Randy. No, I, I agree. It's just I, I've driven through Baton Rouge 75 times in my life, driving to Florida for spring training and yeah. running back. And uh, I've stopped there a couple of times. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've uh, so I got plenty. I got plenty of buddies that are LSU nuts uh, that I played with over the years. And I've let them know the same. Growing up, uh, my grandma lived in, in Baton Rouge. We're from Louisiana, right? Or your dad well, My was? family is. I'm a yeah. Texan. Yeah. But um, are we sure about that? I'm just kidding. Cause I lived in California. Yeah. Well that, that, and now you live in Colorado. So where you're born determines your Texanness, <laughs> Randy. Uh, I write for inside Texas. I do a Texas oriented pot. You know yeah. what, man, you suck. You're good. You're good. You're good. I don't even like you're baseball good. and I watch it just if there's Texas across their chest. <laughs> you're good in my book. I don't right. like anything. I don't like anything, the tennis or whatever related, but I still watch that too. So there you go. Uh, I know the feeling. I got to say, Kentucky is a very underrated road trip. People all it really is. Um, so Stubbs, uh, Drew Stubbs, uh, former college roommate and multi-year big leaguer, um, they got uh, him and his wife got married in Lexington, and we stayed like right next to Rupp Arena. Oh, cool! And, uh, it was a fall wedding, and uh, like you're saying, it was a really there's a basketball game that weekend, and. Uh, you know, town was just kind of a buzz and everything. Like, I mean, you know, you got, like you said, you got all the stuff around it or whatever, but it was, it was a cool city really was. It, I, I think that would be a, I didn't get to see the football stadium, but, uh, but I'm sure that, uh, you know, if you had a marquee matchup, that that would be a well, well worth the trip. Who did Stubbs? He played for the, I mean, he played for the Reds. He played for a bunch of people, right? Uh, it was the Reds and the Rangers. Most of his career. I, I could be, I want to say he was with, and he's definitely with a couple more in between. I'm probably going to miss several. So I'm just, yeah, Reds draft him and he was with the Rangers for a while at the end. What was he like as a roommate? Quiet. Really? 
Very, very smart guy. Very, very, very smart guy. He used to always make like the honor roll, right? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Extreme, extremely intelligent guy. Um, business school, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, we, we coaxed him out of his, his shell a little bit. Well, but, uh, but no, as laid back, as laid back as you are, guy. he's quiet. As, did y'all just, was it just a quiet Zen? Yeah. Our, yeah. Our, our, our groups over the years were pretty, uh, we're just kind of some just laid back dudes that like to hunt and fish and play some ball really. But, uh, but yeah, no, Stubbs, Stubbs is an ex- extremely, extremely intelligent guy, and he's doing quite well for himself now on, on top of the whatever 12-year big league career he had. Who is the I'm – so, I'm so blanking and I'm embarrassed because he's one of the best relief pitchers to ever play at Texas. Who is the badass relief pitcher? Uh, not Houston. The dude after. Jay Brent Cox. Jay Brent Cox. Yep. He lives, he lives, uh, he lives down the road. Uh, Does he really? And, uh, yeah, in Victoria. He married a girl from Houseville. He lives down the road in Victoria. Uh, see him, talk to him every once in a while. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, injuries kind of got him a little bit in the minors, or else he would have he would have definitely had a had a stellar career as well. But uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Originally from Bay City. Yep. I uh, I think wasn't one wasn't one of his main injuries that he punched a dude out in a bar fight and you messed up his hand that may may or not be true I'm not, sure. <laughs> well, no, I'm not trying to i think this is public knowledge i don't think it's any yeah no I, I i yeah i think that I, it's been a i've slept since then but i that that doesn't surprise me to be honest with you but not nah, i think i think Tom, he had a tommy john at a pretty in, inopportune time and some other stuff but yeah he was uh he's yeah, man he's a fierce competitor on and off the field. <laughs> <laughs> hey, our, we yell Texas fight for a reason, Randy. He's a, he's a, he's a good dude. I, I like I like Jay Brown a lot. All, all those dudes you played with were good dudes. True, we we did we did. Y'all had we, a we, y'all had a high character locker room. We we were very fortunate in the fact that you know we had a lot of guys from a lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds that were extremely talented that that meshed well together. Um, and I think at the at the heart of it all is you know, everybody was pretty well centered and, uh, you know, could understand the, the common goal and, and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a fortunate time that we had a, we had a good group, good groups, I guess, throughout my time there. Yep. Well, I got a guy who's a part of our group. His name's Gabe Winslow. He's awesome at what he does. He is the premier mortgage broker in the great state of Texas, but you know what folks, I've been remiss in not mentioning that he's the premier mortgage broker in about 30 other states because Gabe has the ability to do loans for those of you who may not be blessed enough like me to live in Texas and uh, endure your lovely 100 degree summers, 70 degree today, Randy, it was hot, burning hot. Uh, If you happen to live in another state, you could still give, give Gabe a call. He could still help you out. He could be the wingman on your loan and uh, really give you the best counsel that you can possibly get in the industry. You can reach them at 832-557-1095, or you can go to mortgagesbygabe.com. Hey, I know rates are high. I know the real estate market is a little uh, strange at the moment, but if you need to buy a house or you need to tap into your house and refinance, whatever, Gabe is your guy. And he's pretty good at um, 
consult with them, tell them what you want to do. And then he's great at sort of just having on speed dial that you can run stuff by him and test the market. And he'll kind of tell you when it's a good green light opportunity. Uh, that's really what separates and differentiates Gabe from the average broker, uh, in my opinion. So uh, Randy's worked with him a couple of times and he wasn't too big of an asshole, right, Randy? So, so here's what everybody needs to do with Gabe. <clears throat> if, if you're looking for the best deal, he's your guy. I've dealt with him multiple times. He's, we've approached all of them differently, but what you want to do is you want to call him and you want to tell him how great of a catcher Martin Maldonado is <laughs> and make sure that you tell him that I told you to say that. Okay. Well, that'd be fantastic. Because all the Astros Gabe fans. Is a, Gabe is doing a, his own podcast uh, that I listened to the other day. And Gabe is a very smart guy, but he's also very much into analytics. And he cannot understand why Martin Malnado keeps playing as much as he does. I have a different opinion than him. And I would love for everybody to call him and give him shit about that. That'd be great. All right. Everyone should do that. But we've already lost all the Astro fans outraged at your take. Because the normie yes. fan hates hey. Martin Maldonado. Look, Maldonado Diaz. A... Diaz just homered today, by the way, in the DH. Maldonado hit a bomb last night. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, his <laughs> average is up to 182 now, Randy. That's it's great. Not, it's not that high. <laughs> so dare I represent Gabe's sophisticated thoughts and analytics, but I think no, it has yeah, something to do. Yeah, no. I think it has something to do with the fact that Martin Maldonado hits in the big leagues about the way I would, Randy. So his take is it's not wrong, but I just I I I am of the opinion that a really really good catcher is invaluable. But his yeah his metrics this year aren't aren't that great. So the pitcher who pitched about oh I don't know two hundred ninety innings at Texas, uh, wants his little specialist defensive catcher for his little sweet spot. He doesn't care about offense. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, especially if you're a leader. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Randy just owns it. He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do. I'm trying if, to get yeah, my pitches framed, bro. Yeah, especially if you're a leader. Like, yeah, play the <laughs> offensive catcher. Play the offensive catcher for the first seven innings. <laughs> how many How many innings did you pitch at Texas? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. A lot. I don't know. Whether as a you were a starter and you were a reliever, yeah, starter, reliever, closer, kind of did the whole thing. I know, I know you... my senior, I know my senior year, the uh, I was like second on the team in innings as a closer. Yeah, you used was, to eat up it, innings. It I remember that. It wasn't really, it wasn't really a closer role back then. It was kind of a, hey, you're the guy. I, you know, I mean, Jay Brenton Street were the same way. I mean, it's you know, you throwing seventy innings as the closer was not a not an uncommon accomplishment. Yeah. What's funny, you, we had uh, briefly discussed your teammate, good dude, Adrian Alanis. Uh, man. Yeah, he had, a, he had a little rough draw. Rough draw he, had a, a he had a rough draw. So for those of you who don't know, Adrian is a manager at Sinton, um, which is his hometown high school, right? Correct. Yep. They won state last year. Yep. Uh, and I think, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speak out of school or anything, but I would say he's a hot name in Yeah, no, yeah, he's he's yeah, he's he's definitely well known in the in the coaching circles and Okay. It it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, people are talking to him next level and stuff like that, but uh 
But yeah, he got them back to the state tournament this year. They were they played a bunch of close games. Not had he had a really talented squad last year. He had some really really good talent this year as well. But uh, had to probably do a little bit more work um, this year than last year, and and he would even tell you that. But uh, yeah, they played a twelve inning game against uh, China Spring in the state semifinal. They ended up losing to China Spring, and then China Spring played a 12-inning game again the next day to win the state championship. So they played 24 innings of baseball in two days in 4A, which is I mean, who knows who they were pitching at the end of that thing. But, uh, yeah, they had a play where uh, Adrian had a guy on second and uh, was trying to maneuver around over it in the third-base coaching box and get in a good position. And I was at the game. Uh, supporting him and looked over after the play happened and he was kind of hobbling around a little bit and I was like oh it's weird like maybe somebody spiked him but uh yeah he uh he ruptured his Achilles tendon and uh yeah rough rough draw for him dude that sucks it's uh I, I, t- I told him I I, t- I texted him on the way home I was like hey man sorry I didn't hang around after the game I didn't know you were gonna play 12 innings and I got to get back to the house but uh congrats on a great year and uh he's like well yeah it would have been awesome if I didn't rupture my Achilles. And I was like, well, I was going to leave that part out. <laughs> but, since, but since you brought it up, what the hell, dude? Well, here's the baseball part where I get to make fun of baseball. Uh, Adrian, by the way, is like an excellent athlete. He was a star quarterback in high school. Oh, yeah. He uh, could play every he's, sport. And, he's, and he still looks the exact same he did. But he ruptured his Achilles standing quickly. Is that correct? Yeah, he, no, yeah, he's he's kind of trying to move around the umpire and get in a good position to wave his guy over. But yeah, no, his his guy on second didn't. Or he tagged, but he didn't advance the third. And I think he may have tried to like jump and whatever. But uh, yeah, not a good story for him, really. But uh, that sucks because no. I've heard that's a brutal, brutal rehab. But ah, uh, you'd rather blow still, your ACL. Still, uh, two years in a row in state tournaments. No, uh, no small accomplishment, and I'm sure his name is probably floating around in some some circles. Do you think he wants to coach college, or does he, does he want to move up? I don't, in, in I don't high know. We, we never really talk about it. Um, you know, him him and his wife are both from there. Uh, both their families are from there. Um, I don't. I know his family extremely well from from our time at Texas. They're great people. Um, so I don't know. It's kind of really be up to him. But I, I mean, I w- I would think that he could kind of decide his path moving forward with the success he's he's just he's got the cor- correct mannerisms and and makeup for all that stuff so just kind of depends on if he wants to do that i mean i'm pretty sure at one point he was the oc for the football team i don't know if he still is or not since he's been promoted to the the head coach of the baseball side uh but i'm sure he still coaches football and you know he's he he's always had an interest in that too so i don't know it wouldn't surprise me to see him at the next level it also wouldn't surprise me to see him be uh be a lifer there and you know and keep influencing kids in that area because his his coach uh coach Kaspar Kasparzik I'm probably butchering his name um but he was there for long 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 time and legend feels named after him all that good stuff so uh that that's sort of what he grew up in so you know I said it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him do that but no it's it's something we never really uh never really talked about his brothers, his brothers is assistant coach, you know, it's a kind of a family deal down there. And that's sort of his MO. It's pretty cool to uh, make a difference in a place like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he's like, I mean, he's, he, he's a legend down there and rightfully so. 
and he's a great and he's a great dude on on top of that whole thing. I mean, he's you know well respected and very very polished in in the way he goes about things. He doesn't have a statue in the town square though, does he? I haven't been to Sentinel while he might. He would yeah. deserve one. He would deserve one more than me. <laughs> if y'all haven't seen the Randy Boone statue in Yoakum, <laughs> it's across from Nordstrom, right next door yeah. to. It's right yeah. next to the Lululemon, and there's yeah. a little uh, outdoor mall area where you can get like a yeah. Jamba Juice. And yeah. Quero right. Gobblers did deface it again this year. They put a garter belt on it and negligee, but. It actually didn't look bad. I mean, they were pretty tasteful. So yeah, that's, that's exactly where it's at. Right next to those feed store. <laughs> if there was one, if, if you could afford a feed store, if you could no, support we got, one, we got we got a couple of those. But uh, but yeah, no, they they don't they don't uh, sacrifice any precious storage area for for nonsense like that. That's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of pitches and uh, long innings. Stanford takes down Texas. Uh, look, I mean, baseball is baseball. Could Texas have won the series and gone to Omaha? Absolutely. I mean, of course. There's a ball lost in the lights away, but you keep playing baseball, and who knows what would have happened. I do think Stanford was probably the better team. Doesn't mean they deserve – They doesn't mean they needed to advance. But it is baseball, right? But, uh, hey, the, the big outrage, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this, the big outrage was that Stanford left in their star, their ace, for 156 pitches. He did a phenomenal job. Career-high strikeouts against Texas. He had, like, what, 15 or 16 Ks? I think it's 16 to walk one, something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good when you're pitching. Um, and there was some outrage about it. Uh, this was something that was fairly commonplace just 15 years ago. Like, it was not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you have, are you outraged? Are you ready to get a, a mob and pitchforks or is this just baseball in the playoff? I, I'm not outraged at all. Um, I did it when, I mean, even before Texas, I mean, I did it in high school. I did it in summer ball and everything. I mean, if you could pitch, you pitched and you pitched until you couldn't anymore. Um, the biggest argument I see coming out of it is like, well, what if he gets hurt? It's like, well, since we've gone to this 100 pitch deal, I mean, I think it's a pretty solid argument that there are more injuries now than there were before. Um, I mean, the kid wanted to be a legend. Let him go be a legend. I mean, he he wasn't his, his stuff. It's not like he was throwing 94 and he started throwing 76. Right. I mean, he was he was holding the velocity. His stuff was fine. His delivery is not a max effort delivery. Um. And even getting away from the baseball side of things, I mean, what are the odds that he makes money in the pros? Slim. And the pro, I mean, big leagues, like real money. Like, dude's a legend at Stanford now. There's a couple guys that went to Stanford that make some money that he could probably go knock on their door and be like, hey, I need a job. I'm like, oh, I remember you. I, I have no problem with it. I really don't. I never have. Um Greg Swindell was one of our volunteer assistants back in the day. I mean, the dude used to start on Friday and close on Sunday. Yep. Pitched 17 years in the big leagues. Didn't never really had any major injuries. You could have that same guy get hurt for 15 times. You can have a guy throw 12 pitches an outing and he could get hurt. So, so. the injury thing doesn't matter to me. The, the only thing that I could say is like, yeah, he, the frequency of the use and the usage, but at the same time, it still goes back to the same deal of he, I mean, 
what what about what he was throwing over the plate told you that he didn't feel good? I mean, that's my take on the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure I'll get crucified for, you know, oh, you can't put that kid. The the biggest thing is like, well, the coach is supposed to save the kid from himself because the coach is, you know, the coach is just looking out for himself, right? He's, he's yep. looking to win the game. Well, yeah, the coach is looking to win the game. That's 100%. I agree with that. There, it's baseball and you're pitching. You could throw one pitch and get hurt. You could throw 160 pitches and get hurt. I mean, there, there's been plenty, there's been enough guys over the years that have thrown. I mean, Nolan Ryan used to throw 200 pitches in outing back in the day. Uh, it's probably a terrible example, but I, I, I think the 100 pitch rule is, is a joke, personally. It's arbitrary. What's the stress level? I mean, some what guys. Kind of do- what throwing kind of 75, well, I mean, some guys throwing 75 pitches is very stressful. Other guys cruise through 125, right? Some, some guys can't throw more than 25 in an outing just because that's the level of effort they have to put into their delivery to do it. And his, yep. his is not one of those deliveries. But like I said, I, 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 I had a buddy of mine text me. He's like, oh, man, we get his pitch count up there. We can get him out of here in the seventh. I said, I got news for you, Chief. Uh, he's not coming in as a game unless we force him out of the game. Do yeah. so you think so? I was like, uh, 100%. He's, he's finishing the game unless we dictate that he cannot. And that's what happened. Well, I've told you, when I was at the county fair and I got timed and I touched the upper 60s, I've told you that. <laughs> um, I'm not saying 69. I'm saying more like 66. That's what I mean by upper 60s. Uh, I threw two balls, and I had to go get a Powerade and sit down after. It, it was pretty stressful. Yeah, I mean, it's just... So I'm good for about three pitches. I mean, you know, the kid puts in all this work all year long, right? And, you know, he's, he he comes back after getting drafted. And by the way, I think I misspoke on one of the podcasts. There's 10 rounds, 20 rounds. Now the 10 round deal was a COVID thing. Uh, But he's a 19th rounder last year. Doesn't sign. He's probably going to get like a thousand dollars. So he goes back to Stanford, finishes a degree. Probably. I mean, (laughs) Yeah, you can hand the ball to your manager in the seventh and be like, thanks, thanks, Skip. That was fun. Yeah. Or, or you can go do something legendary. Like, I'm taking the ball. I'm going to the ninth, the tenth, eleventh, whatever it takes. Like, so I don't know. That's my take on it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, reading between the lines on some of this, he's not an overwhelming talent. No, I don't. I mean, he even said it. I don't know if you listened to his interview after the game. And the kid's humble as hell. He's probably way too humble. He's like, my stuff's not. They asked him about punching out 16. He's like, well, I mean, I no, I didn't expect it. My stuff's not that good. And I was like, <laughs> ah, your stuff's pretty damn good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty damn good change if you got there. Well, but, my uh, point is there wasn't a scout for the Angels watching that game saying, dear God, yeah. stop the presses. Uh, yeah. and, and to Randy's point, his best financial outcome maybe becoming a legend at Stanford and then selling commercial yes. real estate for an alum yeah. that loves him and loved his pluck and likes his attitude and thinks he's a cool kid. Right. Yeah. And, and nobody will ever talk about it. They're like, Oh, what if the kid gets hurt throwing all these pitches? It's like, what's the chances he goes to big leagues, even if he's a top, even if he's a first rounder. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he may get a lot of money in the draft, which is going to turn into half of a lot of money in the draft, which then you got to, navigate your way through the minor leagues on that half of a lot of money. And then you don't make a lot of money. And if you get to the big leagues, that's great. But like, 
the odds of game's not not in your favor. The odds of game on him finishing that game and doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I felt pretty confident he was going to be all right. Yeah. So, any big impressions of the series? Um, I mean, I can give you my obvious ones. Uh, Stanford's good on offense. And our team, really, who showed up to bat offensively? Daly? Yeah, uh, good, for, good for him, by the way. Porter Hopefully. Brown? Probably had one of the better at-bats yep. in the whole series, just getting that single on a 2-2 uh, yep. with the, with, you know, to get those vital runs uh, in the win. Yeah, pal. Uh, obviously, yeah. Eric Kennedy had a great offensive series. Other than yeah. that, not a yeah. lot. Yeah, Gumet struggled. Powell struggled. Dylan Campbell. Campbell's, I don't know if he'd say struggled. Oh, hello, O'Dowd had a pretty solid few, last few at-bats, but. Tremendous game three. Um, yeah. Um, I just thought our offensive approach could have been a little better, just yeah. in, in my opinion. Like I, I, I didn't sit in on the meetings. I don't know what film they watched. And, and just, just me, purely fan-wise, uh, I thought we had more of a mistake-attacking approach instead of being like, hey, I don't know how many mistakes we're going to get from these guys. Like, I will give them this. When the guys that struggle with control came in, they were patient and made them throw strikes, which won them a game, basically. Um, from the mound, you just, I mean, you just got to throw more strikes. Kind of what got them all year, right? I mean, even even in, the, even in game three, as, as good as Morehouse was, um, when things kind of hit the fan, I mean, I'm sure you weren't expecting Witt to go out after one, which I mean, we kind of touched on that the last time. I just, I just think he's not ready. Uh, but yeah, you go to Morehouse and, you know, the second, I mean, he, he gives you quality innings. It's just the one inning that got him then throw strikes walks, got him. And that's kind of been the, the deal for the year. It's, I mean, when they struggle to throw strikes, then they get in trouble. Yeah. I also thought Stanford's, I mean, they, they were, we're said to be good on offense. They were good on offense. There wasn't a let up on that on that lineup. Yeah. One through nine, good approaches, good hitters. Yep. Everybody had power, seemingly. Nope. I agree. Um, hey, that one Stanford pitcher, the the guy who can throw heat. They brought the, him in and he walked the everyone. Left, the lefty that walked everybody. Yeah. And then they brought him in again. And he threw four consecutive balls and they bowled. Yeah. How yeah. ruined is he mentally right now? That's the, I was so I was on the way back from job site today, and uh, was listening. Jaden Bruno, that's his name. Sorry, Bruno. I was about to say Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Um, that's how you know I have way too young kids. Um, <laughs> they listed him as an X factor uh, coming in. And I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, if you can get that guy over the plate. Hell yeah, he's. I mean, he's got filthy shit. But ah, can you trust to put him out there? I mean, I, I you got to hope if you're Stanford, you get a you know you get a game where you're up a few runs, and maybe you can throw him out there in the six like they tried to do, and maybe something clicks, and then you can use him. But I, I mean, I <laughs> college World Series after those two outings, it's, that's a ugh, that's a rough one. After a week. Wake had a game where they had eight homers. 
man, they look good this weekend. All right. So, hey, we're back to the Oracle of Yoakum here. Uh, you threw out your predictions. The only one you were off on is Duke, Virginia. Yeah, I missed that one. You got Oral Roberts. I, I can't really claim that one. That was more of a shot in the dark. Just oh, because. okay. But but yes, I, I mean, I picked them. Yes, you're correct. But all right, I didn't I didn't have any sound reasoning. I was just sort of a me being a hey, why not guy. Oh, okay. Uh, you took Texas, but I don't know if privately that's how you felt. I, I thought if they could win it in two, that they'd win the series. Uh, when LeBaron struggled and they didn't have the lead, yeah, halfway through that game, it it tipped the scales significantly uh, to Stanford side. Yep, um, and I. It it pains me to say it. I don't disagree with you. I, I I think the better team probably won that series. Hey, you also called out something that played out exactly in game one, and it, it kind of made me proud of the guy. And I think you felt the same. All Stanford sees on the West Coast are Lucas Gordon's, right? Yes. And yeah. Lucas Gordon went out there, and his stuff was not particularly tricky or deceptive to any of those guys, and he really hung in there and fought. Um, no, I can't. I, I, I that kid pitches ass off all year. I mean, I, I I'm on the record saying that you know it's probably not your prototypical Friday guy, um, and then everything. But I mean, he he's done nothing short of answer the bell every time he's been called on, with the exception of probably like two outings the whole year. Yep. Which I mean, as a, as a starting pitcher, if, if you only have two clunkers, that's a pretty damn good year. And yeah, against that line, I mean, hell, he did his job in the in the third game. Just unfortunately lost the ball in the, the or never saw a ball in the twilight. So let's talk about that. Obviously, people were pissed. You had some hoople heads on the game thread saying, oh, chokers. They couldn't see the ball, obviously. And yeah. this is Stanford's known for this. Um, it's sort of like their little twilight advantage for night games. So I, go ahead. I, I guess just, I mean, this, I don't want this to sound like sour grapes, but in Major League Baseball, there are no quirks anymore in ballparks. You still have the big, you still have Fenway and the big green monster, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about you're not going to have uh, lighting inconsistencies. Or remember in the old days of the NFL, when a team's driving for a field goal, they'd open up a big door in like one of the tunnels. Yeah, all of a sudden, the of the stadium, all, yeah. all of a sudden, a wind gust <laughs> comes pouring yeah. through, you know, Cleveland off the lake, right? Uh, that's all out of professional sports. Does baseball not have like you need to have this many lumens for a night game, or is it just? I don't know. I mean, when I, when I played in the Cape in in Bourne, which is the one that was like just on or just off the Cape, uh, we had a like a twenty minute delay anytime you played there because they had this big old center field wall but the stadium was oriented to where that's exactly where the sunset and you literally like for 20 minutes couldn't see like, you had no chance, but like all, wow. all that, all that stuff's gone now. Like, you know, yeah. Design and everything has taken, taken effect. We played at Stanford twice in my career. I don't recall any issues with that, but like I said, I've, I've slept since then. So maybe we have, but I do remember at the old Olsen field, in College Station, we had a game there where for about an inning and a half, if a ball went in the air, all bets were off. Wow. It was just kind of like an overcast day. 
I mean, there was, there were, you know, balls hit center. There were doubles for no reason. And, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's a real thing and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, if you can't see it, you can't see it. Just there's no, like, Oh, well he needed to focus harder. It's like, no, it literally like that ball goes in the air. You lose it as soon as it clears the stands. Good luck. Just hope you can find it again. Well, it seems like the precursor to that was when Rios hits the double <laughs> off the wall. Everyone in the Stanford dugout, including Rios, thought it was over the fence. That, that was so weird to me. Like, I it just, I mean, as somebody that's watched a lot of baseball games on TV, I never thought that ball was a homer. Like, I, did, I was like, yeah, it's a double. It's in the gap. It didn't look like or it off his bat. Yeah. No, I was like, it's, 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 you know, it's over his head. It's a double or whatever. And I mean, it, it didn't even hit the wall. Like it, if you watch it, it wedged well, under. Yeah. Yeah. It hit like right at the bottom of the wall and, and bounced up. And I, don't, I, I mean, I hit back in the day. I don't know that I've ever been like, I don't know where the ball went to that extent to where <laughs> I, maybe he was just that happy. I don't know. But, I mean, to, to, to be running to first base and looking and thinking you hit a ball 40 feet further than what you really hit it to me is just very strange. And you I don't throw I mean, your helmet. Yeah. yeah that was yeah, <laughs> weird, but everybody in the, I mean, it, it, it had to be a real thing because everybody in the dug, like everybody thought it was a home run. So I, on their I, side, at least. So it, I guess it was just being in line with the white sign on the fence, maybe. I didn't, man, I don't know. It was just weird. Like I, I just, I've never seen that kind of reaction before. And <laughs> yeah, it's, wow, it's weird. I just wish the throw would have been more online and he'd been out at second and been awesome. Yeah. All right. We can't get out of baseball talk without me talking shit. And that is, you know, I love a fat kicker, Randy. There's nothing better than to seeing a fat kicker in his little tight uniform with a single bar wearing a 99 going out there to kick a field goal. We saw a truly out of shape pitcher this weekend for the LSU Tigers. Did you ever, did you flip the channel to view, to view this monstrosity or did you just not do it? So you wouldn't give me the victory when I talk shit about baseball. I was circling in my head. I was like, (laughs) who is he talking about? But yes, I do remember that guy. (laughs) I do remember that guy. I compared him to Kenny Powers, but that's actually insulting to Kenny Powers because Kenny Powers was in better shape. I don't even remember what he did. But yeah, and I remember the guy you're talking about. He was right. uh, well. For those of you who don't know, this dude yeah. looked about 5'10", 255 or something on the mound. Yeah, he looked like Jacob Hester. <laughs> yes, he looked like Jacob Hester from LSU came back. The full, the old fullback came back and was going to throw a couple innings left-handed. But without the muscle. No, no, no muscle. No muscle. Very, very loose. Very loose arm action. Also had the Fu Manchu action. Oh, he, he, he played the part. Well, baseball dirt bag. Uh, played the part. Not going to be drafted by the Yankees, but I have I don't to remember say. What he did. Do you remember what he did? I, don't, I, I remember you telling me this and I flipped over and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what he's talking about. He did okay. Yeah, he did fine. He did yeah, his job. Okay. He had a couple, yeah. uh, I think he's, he's got like decent stuff. But um, oh, no, yeah, I watched a couple pitches. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's no slouch. Like, he, he's got a decent, 
obviously, I mean, they're throwing them in the region or super regional, but yeah, that play. Hey, did you watch any of those games, by the way? Anything? No, no. That place was rocking. Yeah. Like we're, we're, we're back to the old box when LSU was rolling type stuff. Like that, that was a true, true, true home field advantage over there. That, that was cool to see. I mean, they, they probably had about, I don't know what the official attendance is, but I bet there was 13 grand. Dang. Right, I'm, words, I'm not done with this dude. Is going to town. I'm not done with this dude. Not only did he have the Fu Manchu and the long hair and, yeah, and all that. I look, I look him up. His, his face had like wrote, like he, he purports to be 21 years old. This guy looked like he was every bit of 37. He's, he's got child support payments. Yeah, no, he, he works road construction during the week. I'm pretty he, sure. He is one of your drywall contractors that doesn't show up to the job. <laughs> and then you got to go track him down and he's passed out in his truck. Uh, probably and so. It's amazing he's on the same staff as Paul Skeens, right? Who looks like Captain America. What was his dude's name? I'm trying to find it. He's a middle reliever. I mean, of course, right? He has. Oh, yeah, no, it's. He has to be. <laughs> uh, I got to find this guy. I got his name. <laughs> it's, it's not so, Skeens. I know that. No, it's definitely not Skeens. And Floyd's are number two, and then it kind of breaks. I'll, I'll let you do the research, but. Uh, all right. Well, but, I just. Uh, it, but it no, just I mean, that, me that, a lot. Like I said, that, that place was rocking and, and they, they got a squad over there this year. Did you see, do you happen to see uh, Jay Johnson's uh, basically plea um, during his ESPN interview? It's like, hey, all you guys in transfer portal, you see this atmosphere? Ain't nothing yeah, he like was it. begging for NIL. Yeah, he's just basically just like, hey, uh, I'm just going to do my recruiting here and then shut it down for the rest of the offseason. Just look around the stadium. You see this? It's great. It's you know what? It's effective. It's a brave new world. Of, uh, uh, yeah, no, it is. Things that we consider like classy and all that. It's kind of out the door, man. Uh, not if you want to win in college athletics. Is it Riley Cooper? No, I don't think so. Because even you know, their team picture, he's going to be a little more cleaned up, eh, right? Six two two seventy. That sounds about might, right. Might be him. Yeah. Six two seventies being kind has to be him. There's nobody else that makes it. They should have his BMI on his roster. All right, so if it's Riley Cooper, man, his numbers aren't that good. Twenty-seven appearances. He started three games. Wow. What's his buffet's closed down numbers? Probably forty. Yeah. Now he had good stuff. I thought, man, LSU's guys don't have very good numbers. Well, isn't it – you're talking about pitching, right? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a pretty close so – there. I mean, isn't yeah, it easy to well, hit a homer in there? Well, relievers, stats in college, I mean, you, you know, you have – you know, you're at 20-something innings. You know, one outing can skew your stuff, but I'm just looking at the, the other metrics. Batting average on balls – our batting average is, is pretty low. We walk a lot of people. But they they to me it seems like a team where you know they're gonna trust schemes to hopefully go eight or nine. Yep. Um and then in the other games, you know, we'll throw six guys at you out of the bullpen that are all, you know, effective and hopefully they all are effective. 
<laughs> I just pulled up gonna. a picture of Riley Cooper in action, and he's wearing the LSU pinstripe uniform. It's all uh, I, all I it's can regrettable. think of when you say Riley Cooper is the receiver from Florida that was like got in trouble for being racist or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, but it really wasn't. Oh, no. He oh, he could throw 98. I was oh, say no, no, that's, that's another dude. Never mind. I was about to say, no, nah, he, he didn't run 98, but he, I mean, he was in the low 90s, pretty good slider or breaker ball, whatever. Yeah, he's, in the, he's in the low two 90s. <laughs> so anyway, but right, yeah, well, no, he's a, he's a, he's an easy guy to root for if you're looking for uh looking for a uh a person to latch onto and uh and you're ready for. Yeah, I love that guy. I'm gonna be pulling for him hard. Yeah, the College World Series has some serious mis miscalibrated sides of the regional, right? Yeah, one side is noticeably noticeably better than the other. You got Stanford Wake and LSU all on one side. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's a little, a little weighted to one side, in my opinion. But you know, that'll go out the window, and somebody from the other side will win it. But uh, I st- I'm still on the wake bandwagon. You think? I I am at this point. I I just think that they're, I think they're just that talented on the mound that they'll they'll be able to handle everything. And that park plays extremely, extremely pitcher, pitcher friendly. So the, the teams that are more, you know, the LSUs of the world that are kind of power driven. I don't like to be interested to see how they, uh, how they score runs there. I think but I know I, the answer. I think you got to get more into, you know, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. I think you have to play offense more than hit there. Yeah, I think I know the answer to this question, but I assume you liked pitching there. Never pitched there. Oh, you never? That's right. No, new new part, and we never played in Omaha when I was in AAA. So, ugh, never even seen the stadium. Brutal. But sucks. I mean, I love the old one. The old one was very very nice atmosphere and everything. I'm sure the stadium's nice, but it probably just doesn't have the same charm. When did they do the switch? Ooh, don't get me lying to you. Uh, I left in 07. Couldn't tell you, man. 9, oh. 10, somewhere around there. It wasn't too much longer after. Uh, I'm going to look this up and feel like a dumbass. Were you at Texas five years or four? Four. Uh, <laughs> athletically, I was there for four. <laughs> Academically, we won't get into it. Academically, <laughs> that's why I call you Dr. Boone. <laughs> nah. I stayed, stayed a couple more semesters in the off season uh, from the academic side to get finished up. But yeah, I was there from 04, 04 05, 06, 07 were, were my years. Not a bad time to be at Texas, man. No, it was, I mean, baseball aside, um, everything else on campus pretty much rolling at that point. It was pretty fun. Let's see. They changed over in 11. Oh, okay. 2011. So, yeah, four four years after I was there, which, of course, we didn't make it my last two. So, 
Ole Miss, right? Blew it. What's that? Ole Miss. No, we beat Ole Miss. We lost to uh, Stanford in the regional my junior year and UC Irvine my senior year. Oh, Irvine. I remember that. I'd block that out, man. I tried to. I haven't been able wanna, to yet. But... You don't want to lose to an anteater mascot, man. Yeah. UC Santa Cruz was... would have been worse. Yeah, banana slugs is rough. That's, That's tough. A rough deal. But yeah, we got, we got sent the number freaking nine team in the nation is a two seed as the number one overall seed. Yeah, really, they were, they were awesome. I remember really good, really good seating there by the, uh, by the <laughs> lovely committee. Y'all did a great job, but whatever you gotta play the games. You gotta win them anyway. There's a dude on that team named Ollie Linton and he made, I don't know, six of the best catches I've ever seen in my life in one game. And it's probably two, but I'm gonna say six because it sounds better. Um, and then he got, some crazy stupid clutch at bat so that whole thing's the best guy in the history of the world for those two days and then i played him in in the minor leagues about two years later and he was at like a buck 20. damn it ollie why couldn't you have done that back in the day but the dude, right, could, well, fly, the, dude could fly the coup de gras on this how much do you enjoy kyle peterson as a color commentator man i used to kind of be on the anti-kyle peterson deal um, I kind of know Kendall Rogers a little bit and I, I don't know if I told the story or not, but I will again, I texted him at one point, Kendall runs the D one baseball.com website and they do a great job and they've done a really, really good job of kind of promoting college baseball and everything. And, uh, I texted him one time about that, man, Kyle, Kyle Peterson's kind of annoying. Huh? He's like, well, he's my boss. So, <laughs> oh shit. Whoops. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, no, I mean, it, the more I, I guess, the more I've gotten away from from the game, uh, he's got really good insight and everything. But uh, but I, I can understand as a, you know, as a Texas fan watching a Stanford game with the Stanford guy doing the color commentary, you're probably a little little on edge with everything he said. A little on edge. And I, I just find him boring. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't I, 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 if, I, if I want I mean, to watch like, baseball, give me Bob Euchre, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that 100%. I'm, I'm a guy that when, when I watch most games, I watch them on mute with either a podcast or music going in my ears because I just, I don't know. I, I find almost all of them boring unless you're going to bring in some sort of special guest that has some sort of great insight. Yeah. But for the most part, they're just reciting talking points and whatever they heard it around the batting cage and trying to keep their jobs so they can have their little cush existence, which hey, no, no fault of their own. Go for it. But yeah, I just, that they don't, they don't bring anything to the table for me put it that way. Yeah. The best color commentator in college baseball is on my phone. When I'm watching Texas games, Randy will text me vexed. Oh. <laughs> if this dude will just throw inside, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a freaking out. And then two pitches later, the guy finally does what Randy says. And it's like the guy swings like nine feet from the ball. And, uh, you know, Randy doesn't take any victory laps. He just moves on to the next play. But occasionally uh, laid back Mr. Boone brims up with indignation at some offense he's seeing in the game. And he'll text me and explain it to me. And then exactly the thing he says happens about an inning later. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. If, if only when you were playing the game, you could remove yourself enough to be able to watch it from that angle and then reinsert yourself into the game. 
Yeah, that would that's be, the thing. It'd be a lot cooler. Well, so you know, to to dovetail to all this and circle back, you mentioned the value of a great defensive catcher, right? Yes. The problem with a pitcher is you got a lot to do on the mound. There, there's a there's a lot of shit going on if you're a pitcher, right? And the catcher can be your security blanket if they can yep. help take control of the game. And they, you can't see yourself. Correct. That's, they can that's see the you. Thing. That's the biggest thing. And I, I, I have a feeling the Greg Maddox is the world can see themselves actually as they're pitching. In, right? To an extent. And, and they can, I got better at this towards the end of my career, but I still, I probably was never good enough to really like do it extremely well. Um, but the guys that can feel their delivery and make the correction like that without anybody, you know, telling them to do it and can evaluate the hitter and their approach and their swing at the same time. Um, you know, that's why they're perennial all-stars and, and all this good stuff. But uh, I said, I wish I was a lot better than what I was, but I got what, what really taught me more about, about the, that side of the game was sitting next to hitting coaches um, in the dugout and, you know, seeing what they saw. And then you're like, Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. But, you know, I, that's something I can see from the mound, but now to, to your point, I, a, a good catcher, he doesn't even have to come tell you to make the adjustment. He, he can call pitches that'll make the adjustment for you. Like, yep. hey man, you're you're he's not getting to extension. We're one one in this count. I'm gonna set up eight inches off the outside corner. I'm gonna make him throw a fastball out here just to get him to extension so he feels it. And then we'll go back to something, you know, we'll go back to sinker in. Um having a guy where you go through the pregame meeting and you're just a hundred percent bought in that, Hey, this guy knows what he, when he puts a finger down, like there's a reason behind it and he knows what he's doing. It's worth its weight in gold. Hmm. And then if he can receive well and steal you a strike or two, it's even better, but it's just, there, there's so much doubt that goes in your mind in, in the game, anything that can remove any of that doubt. Um, no, to me, to me, the, a good a good catcher is worth every penny. Even if they're hitting, don't tell, don't tell any of them I said that. That's right. But, yeah, but you had you had what Taylor T guard? Yeah, T guard and thick. He was awesome. And we had some we had some really good ones, really good ones. Yeah. Well, don't tell Gabe that Gabe's Gabe's a stat boy. Yeah. So I mean, I I get his point, and and there's. You know, there's a side to that, but I, I just think that that's an invaluable aspect. All, all the good years and the good teams that I've been on, we, we've had a guy behind the plate that moved the needle. Yeah. All right, man. I want to wrap this up with a little trivia. Okay. All right. And then on, and, being a good sport, it's going to be baseball related. It's about my favorite, or I'd say one of my two or three favorite pitchers of the, in the bigs. And that's Randy Johnson. You know, I love Randy Johnson. So I went to Peru, ended up flying first class with Randy Johnson and his wife, his wife chatted my ear off for about nine and a half hours. And at the end of the flight, he, he's a quiet kind of shy guy. He grabbed me and he said, "I, I cannot thank you enough for you having 
my wife talk to you instead of me the whole flight. <laughs> and so we had chatted about some other stuff. He's a really nice guy. And he gave me his photography card. He, he, uh, he's a pretty serious photographer. And that's what he was doing in Peru yep. when we were there. Well, he's big time into that. Do you know what his logo on his photography card is? Is it the bird getting hit with a baseball? It's a bird with its feathers exploding. Yeah, I was about to say, that's what I would do if I was him. <laughs> I mean, 100%. So I'm going to quiz you one Randy about another Randy. When he threw that pitch, who was at bat? Ooh, man. I do not know the answer to that. It's got a longhorn connection, my man. Longhorn connection. It was a right-handed hitter. He can run. About five years, six years in the bigs, if I'm if I'm correct. What year was that? Huh. I, I'm gonna really give know. this away. He comes from a very famous athletic family with multiple stars. See, I'm way off now. Very athletic family, multiple stars. Right-handed hitter. He's a Longhorn. Longhorn. I know I, you've mentioned that, Paul. Thank you. Keep rubbing it in. All right. Well, I just thought you cared about Texas. He is he's my generation of players when I was in I college. For six years in the big leagues. Where were you in college? 90s, late, uh, mid, late 90s. Oh, wait. No, mid 90s. I don't know. Calvin Murray. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Man, I have that whole thing in my head, and I definitely did not think it was him. Calvin Murray. And See, when the, I had I had him earlier for some reason, but yeah, you're right. That would be about the right time. Yeah. I it, that name popped in my head, but I didn't think that was the the deal. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's crazy. Calvin Murray and I've, Calvin's a great dude. I, he's been around program for forever. I like him a lot. Do you know the type of bird? White. What was it? White. It was. Yes, that is the type of bird. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, did you go hunting? Yeah. What kind of birds did you shoot? White. Yeah. Good. It was, it was black. It had a white head. I think it's called a bald eagle. It's that good. Exactly. <laughs> it was It was a morning dove. No, it was a dove. Some I yeah, can remember which kind of, but yeah, I thought it was a dove. And then Jeff I did Kent, not know. That's crazy. I did not know it was Calvin Murray. Yeah, Jeff Kent picked it up and gave it like as an offering to Randy Johnson, who it actually pissed him off at the time. But I think he's grown a sense of humor about it. Uh, and then final question. If you're a real baseball expert, you'll know this. Oh, I failed that one. So what you got? How did they rule that pitch? conventional wisdom would say it'd be a no pitch, but I'm assuming they probably rule it a ball. Ah, uh, see, you overthought it. Yeah, it should, it should have been no pitch. This is no pitch. Nothing. That's yeah, correct. I, say, uh, I just figured that since you were asking the question, they did something stupid. That's How funny would it have been if the ump like punches him out? Strike! <laughs> well, it's no dumber than the Texas guy throwing his elbow out and be like, oh, that's a strike, you're out. Yeah. Stupid. That wasn't good. If you want to call that, if you want to call that a ball, that's fine. But the pitch was six feet out of the strike zone. Like, don't reward the pitcher for throwing a horseshit pitch. He shouldn't have done it. 
You should have known the rule, but whatever. All right. Well, there's your Randy Johnson oh. trivia. There you go. We'll see. But now it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting next few months with the Texas team. See uh, who moves on, who comes back. Because uh, you get some guys back. Sets up as a pretty good squad for next year. Spoiler. I don't think anyone's coming back. I'm kind of of the same opinion. I think they're going to have to hit the portal in the uh, uh, in a pretty serious way. I think anybody that is on the fence had a good enough year to go. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, different age now with NIL and whatnot, but that still doesn't change the uh, change the fact that you get into minor league baseball and start your clock. Hey, is is Tanner Witt ever going to come back? I mean, is he ever going to be the guy that we saw? I think, yeah, I, I think they, I think he needs a good couple, you know, month or so, shut it down, continue to do his rehab, all that good stuff. Um, and then I hope he comes back. I do. I, like I said, it's one of those deals where you don't, I mean, you know, they, they say he had Tommy John, right? So he yeah. definitely had his elbow repaired. I mean, when they went into my elbow, they shaved down. 16 bone spurs and repaired some other stuff. And, you know, it, what, what was the extent of the injury? Right. So, I mean, you know, him coming back in 12 months when everybody's like, Oh yeah, you, you know, this day and age, you come back in 11. Yeah, it's cool. But I mean, was it, was it just a clean UCL repair? You know, did the graph take, you know, I know every, you know, modern day is like, Oh, that's a no brainer surgery. You should probably just have it just to have it. Right. Yep. Um, so I, I mean, to me, he's he's really talented. Um, you just didn't see that, except for in flashes. You know, at, at, you know, it was it was a pitch at a time, or it was a couple pitches at a time. It, he just couldn't couldn't really get there consistently. So I, I think at this point, you get him away from the competitive deal, slow him down a little bit, ramp him back up. I'd I'd be shocked if he didn't get drafted pretty high based upon what he's done in the past and hmm. just knowing what the, uh, you know, what the general outlook is on, uh, on Tommy John. Interesting. But no, I, I agree with you. I, I, man, I think everybody that's, that's at the upper echelon is, is, I'd be surprised if, if many of those guys came back. So yeah, you're you're looking for a lot of help in a lot. Yeah, of it. apparently the recruiting class is pretty good, but you never know who's going to show up, Crap, right? Crapshoot. Yep. But it's they're going to hit the portal hard. Yep. And uh, and that's that's see. fine. I just you know I, I feel like we we got lucky in the portal this year, and I just don't think that's it's not a recipe for success. It's just no. not sustained success. Like sooner or later, you're going to have to get a class and bring them along. And I, I don't think this class was, was big enough to, to make that jump. Maybe there's some guys that are kind of developing or whatever that I could be wrong on, but um, be interesting to see. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Well, any other thoughts you want to enrage any more Astros fans? No, I'm saying I'm good on that. I, I gave it to Gabe good enough the other night. 
when <laughs> Maldonado hit the home run. So <laughs> one for his last 40, probably, but I saw, I saw the Homer. So I let him eat. Let it you eat. saw it. So he needs to hear about it. <laughs> exactly. But All right, man. Now well, we, hey. we got to endure. What is it? Two and a half months of, uh, people talking about stuff. Somebody's got to write a book, I think. Right. Yeah. I've got to write a book or I'll lose my advance. Don't Harper want that. Collins. Harper Collins pays me a million dollar advance every year to write this Texas well, preview. If you need somebody to write you a paragraph, just let me know and I'll call somebody. You'll just, uh, I'll just get chat GPT. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. The rice owls. Uh, all right, but man. No, I'm excited, yeah. excited about the SEC deal. This year should be a good year coming up football wise and, It'll be uh, interesting to monitor uh, baseball over the next couple months through the draft and see what we got coming back. So it'll yep. be a uh, little little light on the on field action, but plenty to keep in touch with. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, all right, Randy. Unless you've got anything else, I will say peace out. And uh, for those of you who have not done so yet, living in the Centex area. You need to buy a house or sell your house. Give Laura Baker a call. You can reach her at 512-784-0505, an award-winning member of the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. She's great at what she does. Hey, Randy, I don't know if you've noticed this phenomenon uh, with realtors, and maybe it applies to some other industries like construction, but when times are good, everybody eats. And then when times get a little tougher... You find out the uh, domesticated wolves who can't go out and hunt on their own, and you find out the wolves who've been hunting for 20 years and, and taking down elk. And I think a little bit of that is happening in the realtor world right now, because uh, uh, this isn't coming from Laura per se, but uh, let's just say that there are deals to be made, and there are realtors who are in, unable to structure deals because they have no experience structuring deals because they're just used to offering a price and someone says yes, and they sign contracts and they move on. Uh, there are ways to make a house more affordable. There are ways to get your interest rate down. There are ways to sell your house or to buy a house. And uh, if you get the right realtor, uh, you'll, you'll see the difference, uh, particularly when times are tough. I don't know if there's a parallel for construction. Nope, you're right. Got to be able to think outside the box sometimes. Got to get creative. That is correct. All right. Well, on that note, uh, David Pierce is going to be needing to get creative in his in NIL yep. and the portal. And the Texas Longhorns need to get creative on the field very soon. Hopefully, they're going to have a good offseason. Hopefully, everybody's uh, doing power cleans as we speak. There you go. All right, Randy. We're out of here. Anything else you want to say to the people? No, sir. Hook them. All right. Hook them. Sign or. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado, you need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.